Today's episode is brought to you by Fire Facilities. Make training count with their custom-made all-steel live fire training facilities. Their made-in-the-USA towers and burn rooms are the best for preparing, responding, and surviving the challenges you face every day. So I know for a fact uh, you're from Texas, and yes. if you listen to my podcast, there's two areas in this country. I'm not saying there's bad firefighters everywhere else. I'm just saying there's two parts of the country that always come up as rock solid firefighters, instructors, all that stuff. And it's Pacific Northwest and it's Texas. So what part of Texas are you in East Texas? I'm like Northeast Texas. So we're, I'm about maybe an hour from the Louisiana border. So Uh that could be dangerous. (laughs) And we got some good Louisiana brothers who do a lot of training out over there. So it's a good working relationship. But if you were to draw a straight line between Dallas and Shreveport, we're like mm-hmm. right here closer to Shreveport than we are to Dallas. So that's okay. our that's our region where I'm at. There, there's a lot of, um, I call them landscapers, firefighters that are changing the landscape of the fire service for the next generation. And there's so many of them in, in Texas. Now, I'm not from Texas, but I started my career in Texas as a mm-hmm. firefighter uh, in the military. You're, I know you're thinking I'm a hero and I appreciate that. And Thank I am, so but... <laughs> Every time my wife hears me say that, she's like, oh, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but no, seriously, I mean, we could sit here and name off all kinds of people, you know, Devin Craig, Jacob Johnson, uh, Mo Davis, on and on, and Eddie Steele, on and on and on. And there's just something in Texas, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, I tell you what, uh, what do you, I, I love to ask you all, what is it about Texas that makes such good, I, I want to say good firefighters, but passionate firefighters as well? So what is it about that area? Is it in the water? Is it the weather? Um, I guess to try and pinpoint that, if you want to go back, you know, Texas, you talk to anyone that doesn't live in Texas, they think of cowboys, right? And so mm-hmm. now you put that translation to the fire service. The the kind of Texan mentality is we have we have grit. We love to work. We still fully embrace that blue collar aspect of it. And we just want to help. You know, we're the howdy alls. You know what I mean? We're very Southern hospitality. So that translate into our work as well. And we just, a lot of us just want to get better. And a lot of it starts on like a local level, you know, I'm repping NV fire rescue shirt right now. They have great things going on and they just start off on a small regional level. And then it, it was just an auto tech class. Then it branched into an engine class and a writ class and a search. Class. And they're now traveling around to these other conferences across America, just spreading the good word with tactics backed up by data. And that's just one, one example. Like you mentioned, Devin Craig with Trainer Die, he's been doing that for a while and just pouring the good word into it. And I think the humility, um, yes, there's a lot of, you know, prideful Texans, which is nothing to be proud about doing what you love, but they're also humble at the right. same time. They don't think of themselves as anyone bigger than the next person next to them. You know what I mean? They just, they love the right. job. If there's a lot of people pushing them, okay, we'll, we'll help you guys out. But, don't look at me, look at the message. And I hope I'm delivering the right message. And that's what I got to credit a lot of the Texas firemanship too. Uh, you know, it, it is it's special. It's unique. Uh, and every time I talk to a Texan uh, or Texas firefighter, it's, it's, it's that humility. Like if, if you're not from Texas, you think Texas is this big boisterous, it's us versus everybody else. And I guess some of that's true, but I got to tell you with the firefighters, it's all about how can I help another firefighter? How can I help my brother firefighters? And you guys get your names out there. So I think that's amazing. Uh, I love, this is a true story. It's going to sound made up, but when I first uh, got assigned to Wichita Falls, Texas, 
drive down Arkansas and I'm cutting across for the very first time. We come to the very first road stop. Me and my uh, first wife at the time, uh, she was asleep. So she was hanging upside down in the back of the car like a bat. Um, no, I'm just kidding. She's uh, She doesn't <laughs> sleep. Uh, we get out and there's a guy there and I can see his face clear as a bell. But as soon as we get out, I don't know who he's talking to or what the situation was, but he grabbed his cowboy hat. He slapped his thigh and he gave out the biggest yeehaw you've ever heard, not making it up. So my first wife looks at me and I look at her and I'm like, I guess we could turn around and, you know, go back to Kentucky. Where are we at? But that was my, uh, yeah, yeah. Texarkana, where are we at? What is, what is this? Uh, and then obviously we were there longer. Um, it was, it's pretty impressive. Uh, also, I might argue some of the best food I've ever had has been in Texas. We can cook so. around here now. We can put pounds on you. It could be very challenging. I, <laughs> If you see somebody thin in Texas, chances are they're not from Texas. I'll tell you that right now. That is fair. Oh, my goodness. We judge other states by their barbecue, for the record. All right. So, uh, aside from Texas, what's the best barbecue? Ooh. Honestly, I'd have to say Tennessee. I like me some Tennessee barbecue. When I went up there on a family trip, found a little local joint, mm-hmm. and it was was really good. They delivered well. But they gotta, it's got to have that soul flavor, that soul food to it, and you'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, we did a, a class uh, in, um, uh, it was Olathe, Kansas. And for lunch, they took us to Joe's Barbecue. And I pushed my mom down a flight of stairs for some Joe's now. That stuff is <laughs> really, really good. But anyway, I don't want to keep you too long on this, oh, but yeah. I do want to talk about some of the great things you do, right? Okay. So you do a lot of great things. And one of the ones, the first ones I want to jump into is Next Rung. We've had Blake on here before. I've had Blake uh, actually zoom in for a leadership class for my department. I am very impressed with uh, uh, Next Rung peer support, and and you're part of that. So can you tell us a little bit about that for those who don't know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First off, Blake is an outstanding man. He is definitely on fire for God, and it really shows in everything he does, and I love that about him. Mm -hmm. And with Next Rung, we do keep it very faith-based because of that reason alone, you've got to understand that if, if you need the help, you've got to be able to submit and humble yourself to acknowledge you need the help. And when you have a relationship with Christ or you start to walk in alignment with him, you'll see how a lot of his teachings and just being a Christian parallels into the fire service and other areas of life. And so Blake and I were talking for a while, just different things. We had a little Bible study group too. I don't want to say little, but we've had some Bible study group threads that we have other firemen in reaching out and, he just asked me one. He said, would you be willing to be a peer support member for Next Rung? I said, I absolutely love that. And so for those that aren't aware, Next Rung is just at a peer support group. But the peer panels that make up the team of Next Rung, they're all first responders. They all get it. Mm-hmm. If you've had a horrible substance abuse problem, we've got guys that have overcome that. Or if you've been through mm-hmm. horrible divorces and how the fire service has impacted your marital status we've got individuals that overcome that and so there's there's not a problem i could say that a caller calling in just to vent or need some help that there's someone mm-hmm. that hasn't related to them and so it's just like we're having now jake just a conversation of well hey what what's going on today what happened and nine times out of ten a lot of these people and i'm sure you've seen it in your career too they just need someone to talk to they don't need a mm-hmm. an ordained person from a a figurehead from their department say, you need to talk to this person now. Well, they're already reserved. They're guarded. So when they right. finally come to that, you know, point in their self-reflection of, I need to reach out to somebody, 
and they may not know who I am. It's not someone from the department who may look at me a little different, which it's still good to have in-department stuff. But for those that have those issues of wanting to reach out to someone locally, they get that text and they don't have to have a phone call. If they're better off formulating their thoughts and send it through a text and we can text through it and follow up, awesome. But also at the same time, NextRung is able to give you that outlet to more professional help in your area if you need that too. And we'll actually get in touch with your department. Of course, all consensual, but we'll get in touch with them and give you the actual help you need if it's beyond just peer-to-peer help. But a lot of people just need to get stuff off their chest. And that really helps knowing that you got people that can relate to you hearing you out. Absolutely. And, and uh, what about for people of other beliefs or other denominations, they can still contact next room, right? Absolutely. Yes. It doesn't have, it's not just a a Christian only thing, if that makes sense, just your brother or sister that just needs help. You're going to get someone that cares and understands. And we will, we're all on call. So I'm on call once a week. So we have rotating days, seven days of the week with our teams and whoever comes in, we're committed to that day. So if you call in and it takes you five hours to get everything off your chest, that's fine. That's what I'm doing. I voluntarily accepted to be on call today to help you out with your problems. And it's just, Blake's doing so many wonderful things with that organization and it's all nonprofit. So that's, that's mm-hmm. the other big thing about it. So, you know, they could always use the donations as well to keep this movement alive, to further help impact those that need the help. So, we need some people that are listening right now to put in their mental checklist to donate a few bucks. It doesn't have to be your whole paycheck, but you know, if you're one of those guys and girls that like to talk about brotherhood and sisterhood, Mm -hmm. this is a way that you can absolutely show it. So where can they go to uh, make some donations? They just go on to nextrung.com or I believe it's .org, but also they can just Mm -hmm. send me a personal message too. And, you know, reach out to Blake's net. We're all open individuals to talk to. And, um, yeah, we're very easy to get a hold of, but definitely check out their website. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram. So there's easy avenues to go and say, Hey, you know what? I think this, this can go to somebody or this can go to some help because they're, they're limited with the resources and stuff like that as well. Like anyone else, it's nonprofit, but this is such a huge right. mission because as I know, we're going to talk about it too, at some point this morning, but the mental health, now that we're getting the awareness on it, how can we help mm-hmm. further this? You know, we're, we're breaking down that egotistical and bravado masculine manner when it comes to help. So now that we're expecting right. that, so it's a good mission. I Absolutely. You, do you know who I think about though? Uh, a lot when I think about next wrong and he was on the podcast. I love this guy. He is the king of adversity. He is the most positive person I think I've ever talked to. No matter what comes his way is Richard Wiggins. Mm. Now Wiggins also works for Next Rung. Yes. And he, he's recently moved from, I don't know who moves from Hawaii to the mainland, but he did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you what, there, there's times where I, I'm down or, you know, it's just a bad day, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be scrolling through social media and I'll see that guy and I will read what he's posting. And if you're not lifted up, if you're not po- more positive after that, yeah. I mean, he is really affecting people. So big shout out to, to Richard Wiggins. Love the guy to death. Absolutely. He's, he's a key member, man. He's, he's very inspiring. He absolutely is. And um, we'll talk a little bit about mental health here. I love the movement that I'm seeing in the fire service towards mental health. It's okay to not be okay. Um, for me, when I came on 30 years ago, 
the conversations I had were very simple. They were this to, to me as the new guy. It's okay. You're going to see some stuff. You got you to gotta bury that stuff down, man. Nobody wants to hear it. Don't take it home. Your wife didn't join uh, the fire department. Your kids didn't join. Right. So you got to tamp that stuff down. And at the time, it made sense. Um, you know, we're talking late 90s for me, I guess. And, you know, you see things. I don't care what department you're on. And I don't care. It doesn't have to be the world's worst car wreck. It could be something as simple as, as an older female uh, struggling to just move. Right. There's whatever it is that, that, that hurts you, uh, in today's world. And this is what I love is talk about it, mm-hmm. which goes back to next rung. next rung, you know, maybe, maybe you just want to talk about a run you saw the night before, but there's nothing wrong with having this affect you. Matter of fact, I would argue it makes you a better firefighter to be able to communicate with the right people about Absolutely. this stuff. I, myself, uh, let's see, it was past September. I was diagnosed with PTSD. Everything came to a head for me where uh, it was, well, it was too specific. I always describe it like this in a complete emotional and physical breakdown, which I've never had before. Mm -hmm. You know, it it wasn't about me being super sad. It was me not being able to control things. So uh, I've since been in uh, therapy and I love therapy. Don't get me wrong. I highly recommend it for everybody, but I wish I had gone to next rung first. And I tell you why it's exactly what you said. I don't have to, if I'm talking to you, I don't have to explain about forcing a door or or a car wreck or a fire. You know what it is. Every time I go to a therapist and I bring up something new, even though this therapist works with first responders, I'm her first firefighter. It's like, I have to preface everything. So um, it's okay not to be okay. And you got to reach out and get this help. So, you know, a big thank you to you, Blake, uh, was it Charlie Brown? I Charlie love Brown. that name. Rob Arietta is another yeah. big one up there too. That's really overseeing the operations. It's uh, they're they're very dialed in. They're very squared away. They're organized. It's extremely structured. And the more and more awareness, the more and more that calls come in. And I'm not saying that we have a mental health crisis, but at the same time, more people are finally coming out of the shadows saying, "Hey, I've been dealing with this." Or you also have the firefighters right. that are hearing about next rung, and they're like. I ran a bad call. I don't know how I feel about it, but maybe I should just call and hey, yeah. I just I just ran a fatal wreck. Um, I'm okay, but I don't. What happens? Do, do I just need to call? Right. And it's okay to have that preventative maintenance too. And to your point, that's about, a great way to put it. I love that preventative maintenance. I love it. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, that's you're totally perfect. good. Because there, there is you. I believe in a lot of controlling the controls, and if we can control it, hey. A lot of other people have been really affected by this type of call. I never had it until yesterday. I'm just going to go ahead and reach out like, hey, is is there something unbeknownst or maybe two weeks later now it's really starting to bother me. It's sinking in and stuff like that. I've already established rapport. I've reached out like, hey, man, I know I talked to you a couple weeks ago about this, but now it's kind of starting to bother me. Okay, well, let's let's talk about what are some potential triggers or what can we do to get our mind off of that because we're we're learning to process things that we have not experienced and not mm-hmm. a lot of people have been in that position until they're in that position. So when you have a right. peer support panel, that's, that's been there, they've also sought out help and now they know how to deliver that help to someone else. It's just that whole giving back what's been given to you. And it's, it's brilliant. I love what they're doing. It's, it is amazing. And, um, one of the things that I've, I've learned about, uh, mental health in the fire service, it's an invisible illness. Yes. So 
you know, uh, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I, I have not been, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm just, I guess I'm stuck in my throat. I have not been treated, uh, very well by my department and staff. Um, when it comes to me being off for PTSD mm -hmm. and I kind of don't blame them in a lot of ways, simply because it is an invisible illness before this hit me. I know for a fact, I looked at things differently. Mm -hmm. um, all this to say, if you are not in need for mental help, uh, look at others around you and don't judge, but try to help. Um, I think it's very important. You know, it's one thing to go have shoulder surgery, go into the firehouse for a visit and you're all wrapped up. People can see that you're injured. Right. But when it's an invisible illness like PTSD, depression, uh, God forbid, suicidal ideations, hmm. um, you know, be there for your brother and sister. That word brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, people use it so much as a as a noun and not a verb. You know, it's an action. It's something you do. It's not something you say. Right. You got to put action behind it. Right. So one of the ways you can do that is being able to recognize some of these things and be able just to not make, if nothing else, if just don't make it worse. You know, I've, I've had people that I've worked with who literally made things worse for me, literally went out of their way to make things worse. So I feel like people, if nothing else, they need to take that, learn from uh, the mistakes of others and just, if nothing else, ask questions. And if you can't get behind it, just don't do anything to make it worse. It's just that simple. Right. And if you're a crew member that sees red flags, don't be forceful because that that's a big deterrent and you can unintentionally kind of trigger a backslide on that. Like if you see right. a repetitive patterns and red flags, like, Hey, you need to get help. You need to get help. You think you're doing it with love, but that's more or less going to anger and agitate that individual. And then you've just blocked off any rapport building potential there by just doing that unintentional action. So that's another big, yeah, and you're going to force these people to mask even more. Yep. Like if you're telling them, Hey man, I noticed this, this, and this, and you're, you're that aggressive. Mm -hmm. They're going to learn to, I mean, that's one thing that people with mental health issues learn to do very well is mask, you know, only show the side they want to show you. So I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point to that with the mental health and the self betterment and going through that, the one thing that goes hand in hand, which, you know, may step on some toes of some listeners, however, you can't fight depression with a depressant. In other words, you can't just keep drinking. You can't just keep yeah. flirting with the alcohol and the social drinker. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. But then next thing you know, you never get that clarity. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's a big snowball. There's a bunch of research out there on that topic too, if that interests you, but it's hard to deal with mental health if you don't stay in a sober state of mind and you'll never truly be able to overcome things because you constantly mask it and your body is not able to interpret or process with clarity what you went through because you keep putting depressants into your body. So just kind of a, a give and take there. You know, I know the fire service loves their absolute, but if you want to get better, yeah. you might need well, to get sober for a little bit. And, and it doesn't happen like you don't wake up going, you know what? I have mental health. I'm going to start doing drugs and, and drinking too much starting today. It, it, it right. creeps in. It creeps in. And if you're more aware of your feelings, like what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, and then you can tie it into maybe what you're doing. Um, for example, uh, drinking, right? Yeah. It's perfect. You know, if, if you find yourself, whenever you think about the firehouse or runs or whatever, all of a sudden you have a craving for a beer or whatever, you know, I've nothing wrong. I love beer. 
big right. fan of beer, right? But I try to be careful with it for that exact reason. You mm -hmm. just never know. And uh, I, being that self-aware and knowing what your triggers are, where you are emotionally. And I'm not saying, you know, give up beer or nothing, but there's also things you can do that are positive that are addictive. Going yeah. to the gym, physical fitness. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's running. I like to run. So uh, after so long, now it's like in the mornings when I go running, that kind of gets me going for the rest of the day. I, I'm I'm more unlikely to have a down moment or need something else or whatever. So, you know, don't be afraid to switch maybe some of those things, um, you know, instead of alcohol or drugs or whatever, maybe work, you know, work out or, or go for a run or just do something, go fishing, whatever it is. Right. But you can replace some of these habits with, with better habits. Some kind of positive, tangible habit like you're talking about. Absolutely. Because now you're being productive and now you're forcing yourself to think about what you're going through versus just sitting there and watching whatever in the abyss and enjoying your your crutch, so to say, when you're dealing with that. So you're right. Cause that was me last year. Um, I'm going on one year of sobriety. I just, I couldn't handle alcohol anymore. Just, it was not for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, there were some things that I had some underlying calls and whatnot, and a lot of backstory with different things from really rough relationships. And I would mask it with alcohol. Well, then everywhere I went with friends or whatnot, it always involved around, let's have one, let's have one, let's have one. Well, that having right. one would come home and then I was not driving. So I would stay home and I would, I could not control drinking. And I knew that, but I was not done with how it was making me feel numb with everything that I was trying to deal with. So it was that kind of vicious right. cycle. And finally it was just enough. Enough is enough. And my wife, God love her. She gave me that moment of clarity to talk to like, Chris, you need to see what you're doing. You know, we've got, six kiddos in the house and they're seeing daddy at nighttime. Let's, let's talk about some things and it's, you're right. right. And things need to change. So that addictive personality to the alcohol turned into the working out, the physically releasing it. I was big and you know, spent several years in boxing and MMA and I miss those days. But when you have a football team for a family, you got to prioritize finances. And so that was one of my luxuries to get rid of, to make sure that family provision was still at the forefront. And so now it became running, working out here and building it up. And now I've got clarity. I can live happier when I see other people that have the same red flags that I was presenting myself. I'm like, hey, man, is everything good? And you always just do it one on one. That's the big thing. These these interventions. Oh, that's a crash course for disaster sometimes. Like it has <laughs> yeah. to be a one on one. In my opinion, I believe you're going to get more results and more of a one on one intimate relationship if you just like, hey. Come talk to me, man. I've been noticing a little change the past few tours. Everything good? Yeah, you can talk to me. And then keep that between y'all. So it's it's just one of those things. It's peer-to-peer, -peer and I love it. There, There's ways to get the help out there. You can still be a type A badass and still say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. You know. Well, you know, Brandon Dryman from uh, Indy came down. He He's an amazing, amazing person who deals with mental health. And, and he, he himself tells you about his drinking problems. When he came and gave a class down in my apartment, he said something that just broke my brain. He said, he goes, everybody knew I had a drinking problem, but me. Mm. He's like, I had no idea. He goes, so the, the, you know, the person that has the problem is usually the last person person to find out. And that really got me thinking. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you're doing a lot of damage to your family and friends completely unaware 
that you're doing it. And then when it hits you, to your point about an intervention, if you know, God forbid I should ever have to have an intervention from, you know, somebody have it for me, sure. I think I would hate it. Yeah. I would rather like my, my lovely bride, you know, she's very honest. Uh, and I I would much rather her or a friend at the fire department say, you know, hey man, we're noticing this, right? Uh, as opposed to walking in a room with 10 people, pieces of paper and yeah. how you've ruined their life. I mean, yeah, I think there's better ways to do it. I think the way uh, alcoholism is treated in and this, you and me may fight on this one. Okay. Uh, and you've mentioned, you know, lifting and, 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 you know, doing martial arts and stuff. I don't want you to be afraid or intimidated of me, but I did three push ups two months ago. So, and I'm very uncoordinated. So just, I'm just gonna put it out there. I believe in you. Jake. Uh, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things about alcoholism to me is in the United States, it's, it's an all or nothing proposition. If you have a drinking problem, you have to stop drinking. You have to submit to a higher power. Now, my thing is looking at over in Europe and stuff, they have a moderation thing, right? So I had me personally, I throw in a proactive thing. I'm, I'm, I do not think I'm anywhere near that yet, but I do a proactive thing where every year I do a hundred. Now it's 125 nice. days with no alcohol. Okay. And I always, and I time it for the winter. Cause that is when there's a lot of social events. Cause I want to disconnect alcohol with social events. Sure. So, uh, you know, like, you know, you have uh, Christmas, January birthday parties. There's so much that goes on in the winter for me. So I don't drink at all even a little bit. I don't drink it. I don't do none of that stuff. And it's my way of being a little proactive. And it all stems from many years ago, I had shoulder surgery and I was drinking every day. I wouldn't even drink getting drunk at two or three beers, four beers, sometimes nine beers. I don't know. But I remember thinking, man, if I retire and I do this, I'm just going to be an alcoholic. I'm going to ruin my retirement. I'm going to spend all this time, you know, working towards this awesome time where I can retire and just being an alcoholic. So I started doing the hundred day now, 125 days. Um, That's a good idea. And I always like to tell, and this is, yeah, it, because I don't want to ever be put in a position to where I have to decide one or the other. So um, what I, what I've started doing in the past two years, here's where I failed miserably is uh, I added, I feel like it's really easy for me to stop with the alcohol for hundred, 125 days now. Um, but I started adding things. So this year, this year, and last year, I added pizza. I've got a real problem with pizza. I'm not going to lie. It's my kryptonite um, too, man. I can down a whole pie in one sitting. Oh. So bad. Dude, so right? Bad. Yeah. Mexican food and pizza, I will eat till I'm sick. Yes. So I threw pizzas in, right? So the first 30 days of this, uh, I started uh, back in October, I think, end of October or something. Yeah. So I threw in pizzas, right? I said 30 days, no pizza at all. 30 days after that, I can only have homemade pizza. I don't know why I came up with these arbitrary rules, but I did. Failed that. I failed that. And then um, last year, I threw in cherry Pepsis. I've got a natural affinity for those things. Failed that. So if I ever have to have an intervention or a one-on-one, -on -one, it will probably be pizza and, and cherry Pepsi. Well, let me know when you get close to that. I'll join you. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I just, I might have to just lean into the pizza thing, but you know, my, my point is all is this is, you know, be proactive if you can. Now I could turn around and have a severe, uh, you know, I don't know what my mental health will do down the road. Sure. Right. So I feel like I should prep for it. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think about how it affects my family and, and all that, too. like you said, you know, you don't want to come home, <clears throat> you know, in the bag and have your kids see you like that. 
you know, and smell it on you when you, you know, even if you're not physically, you know, visually drunk, but you, you know, right. you don't want your kids to smell that on you all the time. You know, right. you don't want them to equate that with, with daddy or mommy coming home. So uh, I, I know we took a, a long rabbit hole on this one, but you know, I believe it's something we need to talk about because Agreed. you're right. I mean, I don't, I don't know a ton of firemen that don't drink, mm-hmm. you know, well, I really don't. We can end on this one too, if you want, before a transition, but how many times have we got mad at that drunk driver that killed an innocent family member? Exactly. How, do, how can we justify? The night we get off shift, what are we doing? Yep. You know, just another, another thing to consider, you know, let's not be hypocrites about it. And I think you mentioned it very well. It's in excess. You know, if, if yeah. you had that excessive problem to where if you mentioned beer, alcohol, cold wine, let's just say 20 times in one day, what are you yeah. really thinking about? What is your body really craving? Because you constantly keep bringing that up versus something else completely different. You know, I heard that from yeah. a pastor once he said out from the mouth is what, you know, dwells inside your heart that you really admire and want and crave. So what mm-hmm. you speak is obviously what your internal intentions are, what you hold near and dear to you. So if you hear people constantly talking about alcohol and this and that and that and this, that could potentially be a red flag. Like, hey, man, there's one thing about enjoying a drink every now and then. But you talk about it a lot every time we're on tour. Everything good? Yeah. You know, there's just different little things to consider. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember years and years ago, I would get uh, – uh, the non-alcohol beer, right? Yeah. And I enjoyed the crap out of that. There's some of them that taste just like beer. If you get a Heineken Zero Zero. I've never tried a non-alcoholic, but I didn't know if it was same yes. or. Yes. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It's the same thing. So like if I was on call, here's what triggers me for alcohol, especially beer. I don't drink mixed drinks. Hard. I drink, sure. uh, I'll drink margaritas once a year. Me and my wife go to the beach. We always get these same uh, strawberry uh, jalapeno margaritas. It's like Ooh, a thing. I'm not a mixed drink person. It's pretty good. good. But the beer, man, you have a nice warm day and a cold beer. That's something. So, but if I was on call for doing, uh, I was, I'm the training officer, but I also did, I used to do arson investigation on the side, like on call. I mean, um, and I would, you know, it'd be a nice warm day and I wanted to sit outside and have a beer, but I couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I would get one of those, uh, near beers, those fake beers. And most of them are kind of garbage. Uh, but the Heineken zero zero, Tastes just like a Heineken. Can't tell the difference. But the all-time winner was uh, St. Pauli Girls Non-Alcoholic. Interesting. Can't t- Matter of fact, yeah, it's almost like you get a buzz from drinking it because your brain's like, oh, this is actually beer. Uh, but those times, uh, it was perfect for sitting outside. Now, you don't down those like beers. You know, you drink sure. real beer. You put 10 in your guts before you know it. You drink a, a near beer. You're kind of like after two, you're like, ugh. <laughs> But hey, you could have just given someone some help on that if they were just kind of thinking, okay, well, let's try that then. You know, maybe that yep. might help. That's why I like sharing this stuff. Yeah, bring it back under control a little bit. That's a good point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I think you can. And and more importantly, don't be afraid to ask for help. Right. Uh, you know, it's not who you are now may not be who you really truly are. You know, I know people that have had trouble with drugs and alcohol and, you know, every addiction, you can name all the addictions. And I, I think I know people that have not only beat those successfully, but have a better life without them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's something you got to think about. You don't want it to sneak up on you, man. You don't want your family to say, Hey buddy, listen, we got to talk about this. You know, don't put your friends and family in that position where they have to yeah. have that talk. Again, take, preventative try maybe. to take control of it. Preventive maintenance, brother. I love it. I love it. All right. 
I didn't mean to go down that rabbit hole, but I love right, talking yeah. about this stuff. But I want I do want to talk to you about the rogue tailboard. So how sure. you entered my uh uh universe was the rogue tailboard. Tell me a little bit, tell us about the rogue tailboard because I I know it is a Facebook group and it is a podcast. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about like where that came from and, and what you all what you talk about on it? Yeah, absolutely. So it it was really meant for personal reasons than it was to try and establish a, a platform to reach masses, you know. And mm -hmm. when I first started in the fire service, I had the advice given to me from a company officer that was like, you know what, just nerd out on this stuff. You know, I entered when I was in my <laughs> early 30s, like 29, 30. So I had a lot of life experience, but now God gave me the calling to be a fireman. So to me, that was like, man, here we go. Not even two weeks ago, I was cleaning up general construction messes. Now I'm putting on bunker gear and I'm I'm a fireman. This is awesome. So much to learn. Well, sometimes you may not have those crews or those people you're stationed with. And I was a unique case out the gate because we're a combination department that's steadily growing. But when I first got hired on, I was Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to help, you know, supplement mm -hmm. volunteer calls. So I was like a banker fireman, so to say. I was like, well, we'd always get different people. That was my assigned station, but other people would fill in the slots. And so there wasn't that crew rapport, that crew cohesion. This like, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. You know, we'll check the chucks off, just kind of get through the day. We're going to go home tonight. If you want to train on something, bring it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll middle with it. We'll get along with it. But we're going to talk. And we talk the crap out of some tactics, which is good to an extent. But sometimes we need to put the actions behind it. So throughout all that time frame, like, there's got to be more to this. Like, I was just hungry. And the company officer came in once. He said, just nerd out on this. He said, there's so many different avenues on Facebook. You know, this is back in 2020 and 2019 area. He said, just get on there and just, just go find different things. You know, go when you're at home, the kids are in bed. Just go watch different videos on how to force the door or what some good interior firefighting looks like. And he turned me on to Stockton, California, and now I still can't stop watching them. It's a jam-up department side note there. But you watch these guys. They got tons of fires. Yeah. They make tons of fires. Yes. And so you're watching these videos, and you're like, holy cow, that could be me, like, tomorrow. Like, that that fire could happen. And so the reality started to put in. But now I was like, I need to hold myself accountable to this stuff. You know, and I'm just – I'm a guy of accountability. I'm – I can give it and I can absolutely receive it. I know we know a lot of people that love to give the accountability, but when you try and they try and receive it, they're, they're not about that. They don't want to be corrected, constructive <laughs> yeah. criticism. So I'm not like yeah. that. I'm open. I want to grow. I want to learn. And that's just how you do it. You got to be receptive to individuals who may see something different. Than you. So it's like, all right, about this time, I really started falling fully involved by Mark Von Appen. And he, yeah was just putting out just gold content, in my opinion, just like, wow, this is like speaking directly to me. You know, the new guy constantly wanting to get out there, but no one else really wants to. And it's okay if you do it by yourself. And if that's what it is, and if they want to call you a rogue, at least you're a rogue for the right reasons. And I was like, I like that. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm a tailboard. I'm going to do the rogue tailboard. And I'm just going to put notes out there because once you put a note out there on or anything on social media, it takes no time. Someone could read it, screenshot it, whatever. And even if you delete it, you still have the content. You know what I mean? So once it's out there, it's out there. It's like, all right, here we go, man. You really want to get better. You really want to take this seriously. So I just started making self notes. And then I started to make 
my opinions of different things, not saying that I'm the grand all know it all, but everyone else is sharing their opinions on the subject matter. I'm going to share my opinion Mm -hmm. out there and maybe I'll revisit that next week and be like, I don't know what you're thinking last week, but this, this doesn't line up, you know, or something like that, or a great reminder (laughs) down the road. And a lot of that also stemmed from social media and uh, algorithms and stuff. Facebook was just getting very boring. So I kind of wanted to just create my own content to keep me encouraged as I was learning and moving into the fire service. Well, next thing you know, like a month or two goes by, there's like a thousand followers. I'm like, holy crap. You know, people really, (laughs) really are liking this and, then, Are you mean a thousand followers on your uh, Facebook? Yes, on Rogue, just out of nowhere. Like I'm just a, I'm a nobody county boy in East Texas. You know, sending self notes to myself for what I believe should become better or weaknesses or whatever in the fire service that I think we could work on, and it resonates with me. So now all of a sudden, there's a lot more people coming in. We got a visitor from our little. Little son here, so sorry for one second. <laughs> Not a problem. Hey, hey, you do you, brother. So while we're taking a couple seconds here, I want to tell you about the Rogue Tailboard. He'd mentioned having a thousand followers. Right now, the Rogue Tailboard on Facebook has ten thousand followers. And I highly encourage you to go to it and check it out because the road the rogue tailboard on Facebook is amazing. You get a, a lot of who's who on here. And so I encourage everybody to go see it. Uh, yeah, you're back. All right. So hey, I was just telling sorry. everybody about right now you got 10,000 followers. You got man. some heavy hitters on there, man. It's amazing. It It is. But at the same time, I can't help but revert back to what my pastor tells us, too, when we get new members in our church. It's not about the numbers because everyone's got a story and every story deserves to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I am not that guy that every week I have to put content out there. I, I am putting myself under stress to put content out there to stay relevant. If it doesn't happen, right. it doesn't happen. If it's nothing that I truly sincere is laid on my heart to share, I'm just not going to share that. And going back right. to what we were talking about before my three-year-old showed his little boo-boo, he needed a, he needed a daddy kiss. on <laughs> But uh, family life, man, I love it though. But so it just started to grow really fast. Right. And I'm like, what, why, what's so, What's so special about this stuff that people, and then you start getting these personal messages. Hey, that, that really hit home with me. That, that really meant the world that someone else out there feels the same way or that I'm not alone in this kind of thought process. And I was like, wow, people are really being impacted by, you know, my thoughts. And then you have that maturity moment. If anyone has these kind of platforms too or whatnot, they're going to come and listen to your messages. So are you making it about yourself because you want to be somebody or are you making it about the fact that there's people that just need guidance, encouragement, or someone to relate with, which path are you taking? And you have Mm -hmm. a responsibility. When you gain a following, you, you have a responsibility. You're, you now have an extra target on your back unintentionally or maybe intentionally. I don't know motives, but it's there now. And even in the home department there for a little bit, it's like, well, who's this guy? You know, who who does he think he is, the rogue tailboard and stuff like that? And I can't say I don't blame them, you know, but at the same time, do they understand who I am? Have they held a five minute conversation with me or do they just see what you just said? 10,000 followers. So he thinks he's somebody and 
and now people around the nation want to hear his opinion and stuff. And you can ask any of my crew members. This I'm the same guy, man. I'm just here to have fun, here to learn. It's uh, it's wild that God blessed me with that. But at the same time, I've met a lot of great individuals. I've met a lot of people that I can call friends from other states that I can call at 3 a.m. and vice versa. And you can have that impact, but what are you going to do with that impact? So the Rogue Tailboard has been a wild journey. And as, God, as long as God continues to want to honor it to reach people, awesome. But I'm not going to sacrifice my job. I'm not going to sacrifice my family time or anything to that to make sure that the Rogue Tailboard stays relevant. And that's just how I operate with that. Okay, that's part one with Christopher Snow. I don't know about you, but I loved it. Check back next week for part two. It gets even better. Today's podcast was sponsored by Fire Facilities, industry-leading designers and manufacturers of realistic, built-to-last training structures for more than 30 years. Make your training count. Visit firefacilities.com for more information.